right, guys. Let's do this. Um, Matthew chapter 6, let's do this again. Week 10. Week 11, if you count Pastor Adams, which I do. So week 11, but teaching 10 for me. This is, this is going to be a night where we try to put everything together. So if you haven't been here for 10 weeks, don't worry about it. We're going to do a quick synopsis of everything. You'll see that in just a moment. Take three minutes. But, but it's important that we kind of understand what we're about to do. We've been teaching on prayer all summer long. I hate to say it, but it, it's starting to get a little cooler outside. September 1st, we're going to be moving on into a new series uh, that's, that's really digging into the things of the Word of God. Is the Bible true? How do we handle it? Where did it come from? Where is it going? What's the evidence of it? Um, great stuff. We're going to be, it's going to be a great, September's going to be a great series out of uh, Matthew chapter 13, talking about the, uh, just the parable of the seed and the sower. It's called, uh, Let's Talk About Dirt. I love that. Let's talk about dirt. So, um, we were going to call it Dirty Talk, and somebody said, I don't think they would get that. So let's just, let's just talk about dirt is what we ended up with. So tonight, though, think of it this way. Uh, if you saw, again, the Karate Kid, you understand this analogy, that when you're waxing a car, painting a fence, or sanding the floor, you may be learning more than just that. How I many of you guys know what I'm talking about? Say amen. So it, it, Daniel-san thinks what he's doing is he's just being used to do chores for Mr. Miyagi. He's not. He's actually being taught something that is incredibly defensive and offensive. It's exactly what he needs. It just didn't seem like it while he was learning it. My prayer that tonight we'll, we'll kind of understand that what we've been doing for the last 10 weeks may have felt a little wax the car, wax on, wax off, may have felt a little paint the fence, may feel a little sand the floor, but it isn't. These are the elements. Hear me. Jesus is teaching in Matthew chapter 6 concerning prayer, what we call the Lord's Prayer or an Our Father uh, for those of us who have a Catholic background. Uh, or just Matthew chapter 6 for those of us that were raised an atheist, right? Uh, what, what's actually happening is he's teaching us the elements of prayer necessary before we begin to move mountains. Are you still here? So many believers, I find this almost universally. If I say, how's your prayer life? It is, I'm going to say almost universal, if not universal. They kind of look down. They kind of go, well, it could be better. You know, I used to, but I don't. And I mean to, but then it doesn't. I just don't understand. Can I, can I I'm just going to be really honest with you, your pastor and I. Are you, can you guys take some brutal, honest truth? Okay. I think you're actually a lot better at it than you think you are. Was that brutal enough? <laughs> I, I think the average believer from the moment they're born again knows how to pray. Just like an average baby, when it's born, knows how to cry. Now, it may not be an encyclopedic knowledge of the English language, but they know how to get from mom what they need, all the mothers said. They're not shy about asking for it. Now, they're going to get better at it. They're going to learn words like please and thank you. They're never going to use those words, but they're going to learn those words. They're going to learn about, you know, how to ask for things and how to kind of manipulate, cajole, you know, but, but they're going to get better at it. But in the meantime, how many of you guys know it doesn't matter how good the child's ability to communicate is, it matters how good the parent is. Because of that, we never have to be insecure about asking God for stuff. Because what we lack in our ability to pray, he more than makes up in his ability to be our father. Does this make sense? So this whole, I, I'm just not good at it, I just, uh, I've tried. We, we almost treat prayer like our diet, that, you know what I mean, that where it was going really well, but then the second day happened? We, we can't treat it that way. You know about prayer. 
And if you've been here for the last 10 weeks, you've been taught about prayer. You probably know more about the mechanics and the elements and all the teachings of Jesus on prayer. You probably know more about it than the average believer that's been in the body of Christ for 30 years. You can quote stuff. We've done insightful study. You've applied it in your life. So you know about prayer. But tonight we're going to talk about what if we were to actually start this? Like, like, what if we were actually to start moving in this with this faith? Not someday I'm going to go on a diet. Not someday I'm going to learn how to pray. But I know how to pray. And even if I don't know something about prayer, my father knows what I'm asking for. Imagine, imagine my almost three-year-old grandson, red-faced, comes running up with an empty cup on a hot summer day and goes, Bapa, he calls me Bapa, which I think is awesome. Bapa, Bapa and Gammy, he made it up. Bapa, Wawa. How many of you guys know he didn't say it right? He didn't say please. He butchered the English language and the boy's getting water. Not because he didn't say it right, not because he didn't say, you know, please. Not, not because he didn't interrupt everything else. How many guys know the three-year-olds don't care if they interrupted anything? All they know is they're thirsty, there's an empty cup, and they need water. And in asking that, no matter how badly they asked, their parents ought to give them water. Somebody say amen. So what if, what if, what if you were to pray knowing who God is and knowing who you are? For example, what if we understood that what Jesus was talking about in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. What, what if prayer was not a mandate at which you'd failed, a discipline at which you were undisciplined in, but a dialogue with someone who actually really, really cared about you? What if, what if you really understood who he was to whatever degree? Well, until I know everything about God and, and, I, and I know everything about who God's maybe going to be, I can't pray. Absolutely not true. Until you know anything about it. I mean, how many of you guys know atheists pray? You don't believe me? Point a gun at an atheist, they say, oh, Jesus, right? I'm, I'm not kidding you. I, Richard Dawkins, one of, one of the most renowned atheists, a British scholar and uh, all this kind of stuff, he literally was asked a question and, and about, about the existence of God, and, and it kind of threw him. He said, oh, 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 Lord. Um, <laughs> never mind. It's just funny. To me, like, tell, tell me about your relationship. There's no God is ridiculous. Well, what about this? Oh, Lord. Uh, <laughs> I mean, if Richard Dawkins knows how to pray, you know how to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. What, what if you were to pray knowing what God wants? Like, how many of you guys know what he wants? It's for his kingdom to, and his will to be done on, evident. okay. So you pray for the lost. God's like, I don't know. I don't really like those people. Will God ever say that? We know that it's God's, God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come. Like, if you don't know what to pray, just pray for lost people, because I promise you, you're praying the will of God. Come on. I don't know what to pray. Pray for everybody you know that doesn't know Jesus. Pray for people you think might not know Jesus. Pray for pastors that don't know Jesus. Pray for, just pray that, that God would reveal himself. I promise you, you're praying. You know who you're talking to, because you know who you are, and you know what he wants, and you know where he wants it to happen. All that's left now is when. And that's up to him, right? What if you were to pray having all that you need, like, like you knew that the daily bread department was covered by your father? Could you pray? Would you pray? Would you pray differently? What if you were to pray having a clean heart and clean hands, like you were, you were consistently telling him, forgive me, and, and by the way, I'm not just asking for a one-way street. I'm going to make this a boulevard that goes both ways. I'm going to receive your forgiveness, and I'm going to give it away. What if you were to pray, passing the tests and staying out of the cyclical eddies, these, these not the current, but the, the stuff that gets sucked off to the side, all the garbage and the floating rats and the mud and the debris, and you understood that that's what Jesus was talking about when he said, lead us not into temptation, 
these, these ongoing cycles of, of testings that I fail, temptations that I give into, but, but you know, deliver me from evil. Get me back in the flow where you're going. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? Hear me, guys. If you understood any of these things, uh, you, you'd be so much farther ahead in your prayer life. But if you understand all of these things, you understand Jesus' teaching on prayer. So I don't, I don't pray humiliated as an orphan begging God to fill some need that I have, believing he probably won't do it. He's my father in heaven. And if he's worthy of worship and still knows my name, he's not only elevated as who he is, he's elevating me with him. If, if, if I know that his will is for what he wants to happen to happen here like it is there, that gave me the standard. And I know that when I ask those things, I, according to his will, if we ask anything according to his will, the Bible says he will give it to us. He's not just giving it to us. He's actually fulfilling his will. We're agreeing with him on earth, the things he's decreed from heaven, all this stuff. So let's, let's get into spiritual warfare tonight. Everybody say warfare. I know we have pacifists, and I, I wouldn't demean that. I appreciate the pacifists. Uh, we have people that are against all war. I appreciate that. We have people that can't wait for war. I appreciate that. I think we need warriors, and we need pacifists, and we need to listen to each other, right? But, but understand this. When it comes to spiritual warfare, nobody's a pacifist. You, everybody has a right to be against war unless they're being shot at. Then they generally form some sort of an opinion quickly, if not offensive defense. And in spiritual warfare, I promise you that if you're not putting up your shield because you don't offend anybody, if you're not wearing a breastplate called righteousness, if you don't have a sword of the spirit, which is the word of God in your hand, I promise you you're not winning the battles that you're in right now, but you can through prayer. So now that we can pray effectively, let's talk about principles of warfare. There, there's all sorts of theories on warfare. If you go to the Warfare College, if you go to Gettysburg and tour the, the things, if you go to Iwo Jima and tour the beaches, and you can study warfare. They literally have the, the College of Warfare, a warfare college the military has. It's, it's all strategy. It's all this. But let, just let's make it so simple for you, okay? If it's not a guerrilla warfare where you have to hit a larger force with an inferior force and you have to kind of hit and run, hit and run, and cause a, a psychological damage and all that kind of stuff, if it's conventional warfare, this is, these are the two things you need. You need a superior position, and you need superior force. All you need to win is the high ground with a stone wall and a rifle that shoots farther than their musket. It's that simple. If they have arrows and you have catapults, you can reach them before they can reach you. It's a superior force. If, if you have the high ground where your bullets go farther than their bullets and you're behind a wall like at Fredericksburg or Gettysburg, um, you know, all these Civil War battles you probably don't care about, but I, I like them. So if you have the high ground and you have a, a stone wall, it's going to be 20 to 1, the casualties. Why? Because you have elevated ground, superior weaponry, and, and that's what you want in warfare. Do you see that? So let's talk about that. And understand this, guys. When we pray, we're praying from a superior position. We, we are not wrestling flesh and blood with flesh and blood. We do not wrestle with flesh and blood, Ephesians tells us. We pray from position. Let's talk about the positions we pray from. This is going to get a little confusing. I usually teach 101. I'm going to go about 301 or 401 in prayer for this one point. How many of you guys will try to understand what I'm about to say? You're going to give it everything you got. Okay, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6 talks about positional, uh, where we are in Christ. And God raised us up with Christ, hear this, and seated us... Now, is seated future tense, current tense, or past tense? It's past tense. This is what he has done. God has raised us up, past tense, with Christ, and seated us, past tense, with him in heavenly realms 
in Christ Jesus. Now, where Christ Jesus is, the Bible tells us, seated at the right hand of the Father in, in a position of ultimate authority. Uh, Matthew 28, 18, all authority, heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go. So, ultimate authority. We are seated in Christ, like, like hear me, everybody here that's in faith right now is here, but you're also there. Did you get that? There's a position that we have because we're in Christ. We are in some way where Christ is, which is both in this room, but far more than this room, outside this room. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. Let's talk a little bit more about the position. It talks about our, our struggle, our battle, our combat, this, this conflict. It's not against flesh and blood. Sorry, Josh. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the power of this dark powers, plural, of this dark world, and against the spiritual force of evil. Now, where are those spiritual forces of evil? In the heavenly realms. Isn't that embarrassing when your phone goes off in church? I hate that. All right. In the heavenly realms. Look at this. Third thing, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I know a man, Paul says, and, and the theologians almost universally agree he's not talking about John the Revelator who went to Patmos, because this, this was written before that. They think he's talking about himself. So I knew a man... He doesn't want to say, I went to heaven. So he's saying, I knew a man who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Does that seem odd to you? The third heaven. What is the third heaven? We'll get back to that in a minute. And I know that this man was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. Let's talk about the third heaven. How many of you guys knew before just now that there were three heavens? It's kind of a rare teaching. Because we think about heaven being streets of gold, crystal sea, big throne, mansions that we're all going to live in. That is actually the new Jerusalem, Revelation chapters uh, 21 and 22. But what we're talking about here is the presence of God. Until that city comes down from heaven as a bride prepared, this is Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 4, as a bride on her wedding day. Until that city that's 1,200 miles wide by 1,200 miles long, get this one, by 1,200 miles tall. I just think that's a pretty big place going to be lots of people there. And that's where we're going to spend eternity with Christ. That's the, that's the New Jerusalem. But we talk about heaven, we're talking about one of three things. There's, that, there's the earthly heavens. When you look at the stars, when you look at the trees, when you look at the birds, they're flying in. The trees are in. The stars are in the physical world or the first heavens. When Paul, uh, when David says, when I consider the heavens, the works of your fingers, he's talking about the first heaven, the created heavens. Does this make sense? This is the Genesis one one one. One, 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 the one, one, one that I'm talking about. In the beginning, God created the heavens. That's the, that's the sky, the earth, the physical world, and the earth. Now, hear me. That first heaven is very clear. It also talks about the third heaven. How many of you guys know there's a first and a third? There's probably a, we know that. So what is the second heaven? Let's talk about that. The second heaven, now this is theology, but I think there's a pretty good consensus that the second heavens is a, a, not a physical realm, but a spiritual realm, but a fallen spiritual realm. This would be the principalities and powers and, and spiritual forces in heavenly realms. It's not physical. Demons don't have a physical body, but they do take up space in some way, shape, and form. And so theologians have speculated that the second heaven, if there's a first and a third, there's a heavenly realm or a spiritual realm that, that has the demonic in it. And then Paul talks about going to the third heaven. I told you this is 301. You still here? All right, so that is where Christ is seated. That is glory. This is when Jesus talks to the, the, the guy on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. What he's talking about is that position where you're in the, the unfettered, touchable presence of God. And in this, we understand that we are seated not in the first heaven, not in the second heaven, but in the third heaven. What am I trying to say? Why is this important? Why just take five minutes to do that at night? This is why. Our problems 
don't exist in the third heaven. Our problems exist in the first heaven and the second heaven. Now let me ask you a question. Which heaven has more power and authority? This earth or the presence of God? Who has more authority, God or a demon? This is where you have to understand. When you pray from position, we have the stone wall at Fredericksburg. We have Cemetery Ridge at Gettysburg. We, we have the, the elevated position because we are in Christ. When we deal with issues, we're not an orphan begging someone to come from another world to help us. We are seated in another world speaking to this world as, with authority and with power that is in Jesus Christ. One person got it. Let me ask the rest of you. And it's good to have my mom here tonight. Thanks, Mom. Um, I, know, I don't know who clapped. There is, a, there is a, a tendency to pray as if we're victims hoping for a rescuer when we are heirs accomplishing the will of our king. There's a tendency to believe that in a fair fight, it isn't fair because we can't punch the devil in the face. We have a tendency to believe that, that we are um, small and what we face is gigantic. If you have a great big problem and your understanding of God is that he is disinterested, you have a big problem and a small God. Let me contradict that lie hopefully once and hopefully for all the rest of your life. You have a huge God and you are seated in Christ in heavenly realms. And because of your position, everybody say position, you are elevated in a better position with a superior force to deal with every issue in and around your life and the lives of others. When you pray his will, you're not an orphan saying, I'd like some more, please. You're an heir who's been sent with authority to be an ambassador of Christ, to do what he would do, to say what he would say, to say it the way he'd say it to the people he sent you to. We're not looking at, oh, that's a tough neighborhood. I don't want to go to that neighborhood because I don't, I've been talking to my friend over here, like, I don't know that, that neighborhood, man. People in that neighborhood, listen, I don't care what's in that neighborhood. What's in Christ is greater than what's in that neighborhood. Well, that mission field, well, that, that son-in-law, well, that problem, that financial issue, this, this Ebola that has come to our nation, this, this election, I understand all of our problems, and we may or may not have a few of them. But if you know where you are and whose you are, instead of being a victim of what's on the evening news, you're a victor through Christ who's been sent to do something about it. I, I don't have permission to share this story, so I won't be specific, but a friend of mine in front of his entire family, husband, wife, Children, children in the back seat. A gun was pulled on them the other night. There was a little accident. It wasn't even an accident. Just kind of pulled out. Someone pulled over and said, you almost hit my brother. Pulled out, pulled out a gun, pulled out a weapon in front of a man's wife and his children. Traumatized them. And I was talking to him the next day saying, I've been praying for your children because the kids in the back seat, how many of you know it's good to be the youngest because you have no idea what's going on? You're, you're watching, you know, Fred Flintstone or whatever they watch nowadays or Barney the dinosaur, the Barney the Rubble back in my day, right? But the two older kids in, in the middle seat, they saw what was going on. And I said, this is what I think you should say to your son. That man is, is, not, is not greater than the Jesus that lives inside of you that pulled that weapon on your family. And instead of looking at him and being afraid or being angry or be, wanting revenge or wanting to move from that city, understand that you are that man's greatest hope for salvation. That you are not part of the problem. You are God's solution sent to this earth to fix that problem. And you have to go and know those people and you have to deal with those issues. And I, I tell you what, I, and I'm with these people that, are, that went through this. What I would want to do in my flesh is to pull out my 45 and start aerating the man's brains. 
You did that in front of my wife. You did that in front of my children. You know what this man did? He said, I have no problem with you. And, and I know that there has been prayer going for that man. I, let me tell you something. The devil made a stupid mistake when he sent that guy with a gun to this family because they're a praying, God-fearing, knowing Jesus, third heaven's family. How many guys know that that guy's going to get saved, that testimony is going to be heard? Why? Because you don't pull a gun on the Son of God because God's kids, God's daughters, God's sons, God's babies, these guys, we're the solution. We're the light. We're the salt. All we need to know is where the needs are so we can pray and we can start punching holes in the spiritual realm instead of with a forty-five caliber slug. Amen. Yeah. You got that the third time. That's good. All right. So we pray from an elevated position, but we also pray with a superior force. You guys got five more minutes? Well, give me five more minutes just to finish this up. Five, 10, 15, 20. Good. All right. Good. That'll be enough. I love visitors because it's always funny every time. All right. Yes, sir. I will. Deacon material right there, everybody. That's what deacons say. Amen. So we pray from an elevated position, but we pray with superior force. Let's talk about the power. Now, the superior force is both power and authority. Let's talk about power. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, quickly. Um, Jesus says this to his disciples. We want Israel to be restored. We want that. We don't, how, when are you going to come? When is this? You be a Moses. Man, kick out Egypt. Get rid of the pharaohs. Get rid of Caesar. And he goes, listen, you'll receive power. You want power? You're going to receive power. <laughs> You're gonna, I mean, you can stick your tongue in a 220-volt socket, and you're, that would be nothing compared to the power I'm about to give you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. How many of you know that God wants to give people, praying people, power? Look at this, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask, all we imagine, according to his what? His power, that dunamis, that dynamite that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. And all God's people said, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid. It's not a spirit of fear. It's a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline are a sound mind. Listen, we, again, we're praying from an elevated position in Christ, third heaven solution, first and second heaven problems. Amen. We also pray with a superior power. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. So again, we're not begging orphans. We're, we're, not, we're not hoping. We're not trying to put a quarter in a vending machine or a quarter in a slot machine and hoping that something works. We are children of the Most High God. We're citizens of another world sent to this world to make it like the other world that his kingdom come and his will be done. So we pray with power. And lastly, we pray with authority. Look at John chapter 16, verse 23. says this. Jesus speaking, Very truly I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. See, until now you haven't asked for anything in my name. Ask and you'll receive and your joy will be complete. How many of you guys ever know, have known the joy of God's answered prayers? It's wonderful, right? There's no joy like it. Listen to me. Hear this. When he says, ask for anything in my name, he's speaking about authority. It's something like, in the name, I, I don't, like we understand that, we say that a lot, but I don't think we understand it because we don't say things like, stop in the name of the law. I arrest you. I'm under what authority? Under the name of the king. Oh, the king's authority. But the name of Jesus is what we would call the authority of Jesus. So let's read it again. Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask for in my authority. Put it on my charge account as if I asked for it, right? Um, until now, you haven't asked for anything with my authority, with my position. But ask and you'll receive and your joy will be complete. Look at Matthew 28. Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Piano guy, join me if you would tonight. Are you guys still here? Are you getting this? 
we've been learning about our Father. We've been learning what it means to be hallowed in His name. We've been learning what it is for His kingdom to come and His will to be. We've been learning, we've been learning wax on, wax off. Tonight, I want, to, I want to plug that thing that we've built into the 220, into the 110, and I want it to begin to animate itself. For us to say, I'm not good at praying, therefore I won't pray until I'm good at it. I don't know all there is to know about an infinite God and until I know. I don't know all of who God wants me to be, so until I know. Like, listen, you, we have to understand that, that God teaches us from a place of complete ignorance up to any level of wisdom beyond that. He's good at it. I was thinking Dina was talking about you guys are going to be schooling your kids, whether it's homeschooling or virtual learning, and you've got to teach them stuff. And thought, you know, it's intimidating. Can I just tell you something, parents? Can I, just, can I just give it to you? You're the one that taught them how to walk. Do you know how hard walking is? You're the one that taught them how to talk. Do you have any idea how difficult the English language is? Hopefully someday you'll teach them how to shut up. It's even harder. Right? You're the one that taught them that this porcelain bowl with water that they could easily fall into and drowned is actually their friend. And what to do over it and what to relax and what to, right? Just every time they get a question right, give them a skittle. It worked before. It will work again. Well, if you know how to teach your kids how to walk and talk and use a toilet and say please and thank you and drive a car and become a man, become a woman, how much more does our Heavenly Father know how to teach us how to be men and women, how to be warriors, how to be prayer warriors? You have a position that is higher than any position that you will ever have a conflict with. You have a power that is greater than any power that will come up against you. You have an authority given to you, delegated by God's Son for such a time as this. Prayer is not a vending machine. But I put my quarter in and nothing happened. So I rattled it and... Right? Prayer is not a slot machine. I don't expect prayers to be answered, but every once in a while, I just expect that jackpot prayer to come through for me. It's not what prayer is. It's a relationship. We learn. We grow. Sometimes God's saying, work harder. Sometimes God's saying, be still and know that I'm God. How do we know what to do? I try harder. If it doesn't work, I get still. In other words, I push until something happens. I pray until something happens. So what is prayer? Prayer simply, it's just, it's just partnering with God in warfare on earth using his superior force and his elevated position to accomplish his will in the lives of the people he loves, that Jesus died for. Does this make sense? So let's do this. Stand up. Nobody leave. The clock says I have 10 minutes left. Don't look at your clock. I'm your pastor. Just trust me. Janet, your head snapped up like, no, it doesn't. <laughs> Get this. Eyes are open. Heads aren't bowed. You know, what is it you need? Or what is it God's put on your heart? What is it that you, you know is not happening on earth as it should be? Is it a, is it a relationship? Is it a, a person? Is it a disease? Is it politics? Is it, what is it? If there's a burden there and it's a, it's a God-given burden, that's probably a good place to pray. God gives us pain so we'll do something about it, right? If my foot hurts, I, I, I walk differently because there's pain involved. And, and if you're walking differently because of a burden, because of a weight, because of a pain, perhaps that's God telling you to do something about it. And, and can I just, I'm going to say this one real gently. I want to scream it, but I'm going to say it real gently, okay? I think it might be time to stop talking to each other and start talking to God. And I'm going to take a step farther. If you haven't talked deeply with the Lord, in private, please do not make public comments. 
I'm going to take it a step farther. You still love me? My name's Jim. I'm here to help you. I know, and you do too, who's prayed before they speak because there's wisdom, there's peace. It, 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 brings a, it brings a slicing between lies or passions or emotions and reality that God wants to see on earth. Does this make sense? So if you haven't prayed, it isn't time to talk. And, and after you have prayed, well, how do I know when to comment? Because you'll have some insight that has not yet been said. If your insight is often repeated and you're more noise, maybe it'd be best not to contribute to the storm but to contribute to the peace that calms the storm. The world needs people who have been with Jesus. That's prayer. And then you should pray about things. And you should comment on posts. And you should have an opinion. And you should put up with the garbage that happens when you state any fact today from all sides. But how many of you guys know that if my opinion comes out of a prayer closet where I'm repeating what the Holy Spirit has said to me, I'll stand by it differently, with a different peace, with a different courage, because I'm repeating what God said to me in my prayer closet. This isn't my political opinion. This isn't my, this is, I, I won't say anything unless I believe that Jesus said it first. That's why I'm not on social media. <laughs> I said, it's better now, right? Daniel goes, oh, no, it's worse. I've been on social media in three months. Why? Because I don't have anything to say yet. Isn't that shocking? 30,000 words per day with gusts up to 50,000 words. Hear me. And I still don't have something to say about most of the issues. And I'm a leader in the body of Christ, a servant to God's people. So if it's taking me that long to craft the words, perhaps we should withdraw from the gusts of 50,000 clicks, get into our prayer closets, because human words don't change anything but human emotions. First world solutions do not solve first world solutions. Jesus said it this way, fire, fire, darkness, darkness, murder, more murder. That if I can get in the third heaven and start calling out the decrees of Christ on this planet, whether people hear my prayers or not, God will move on behalf of those prayers. I want to be the solution, not the problem. And if it's taken me uh, six weeks, seven weeks off of social media, because I have nothing to add to the conversation that isn't already being said, perhaps you should think about how you add to the conversation. Now, that's my opinion. How many of you guys know I'm always right? Amen as people that are as good-looking and humble as I am normally are. So do you have that, that thing that you need to move, that mountain that only prayer can touch? Now, if you do, say, say amen. Let me see your hand. I've got, I've got something in mind. Let me see your hand. I've got something in mind. Okay. So how are we going to address this? This is where we're going to go from wax on, wax off, to actually block and blows. I want you to close your eyes now. And in your heart of hearts, recognize that you are not on this earth barking orders, fighting fire with fire. You're actually seated in Christ in heavenly realms. From a position of the third heaven, what do you think God's will is? What do you think your Father in heaven who loves you, who has provided for you, who has forgiven you and given you mercy to give away? What, what, do you, what can we escape from the, the eddies and the disciples? We're all free from that. We've learned about that. We're free from that. We've forgiven people. Beautiful testimonies are coming in of people that have forgiven, people that, that stole other people's spouses. And I mean, they're literally, God's setting people free, free through people setting people free. It's beautiful. So now you're in that position in Christ. Clean hands, pure heart, provided for. He's your daddy. He loves you. You're, you. You walk in mercy. His and what he gives you to give to other people. And now, what's his will? If you don't know it, don't pray about it until you know it. But when you know what God's will is, you can decree 
you can decree. Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. That's not a, a lawn chair. That's not a bar stool. That's a throne. It's a throne of judgment. It's a throne of mercy, the Bible calls it. It's a throne of grace we're allowed to approach boldly. From that throne, I want you now, in prayer, to begin to speak to those mountains. Will you do that right now in your own way? Father, in Jesus' name, we pray for, we pray against, we pray through, we declare from the position of Christ the will of the Father on earth as it is in heaven. Pray right now. Let me hear you pray, church. Father, in the name of Jesus, for wayward children, God, for, for the problems of our land, we pray for uh, you know political unrest and viral unrest and unrest that causes us unrest. We, we pray against all the wind and the waves of the storms that are around us now. We speak peace. The Prince of Peace speaks into every storm. In the name of Jesus. Father, give us wisdom so that when we do have something to say, we really have something to say. Father, give us insight and revelation so that our words will pierce through the pains and the arguments. There, there is a place of peace. There is a place of justice. There is a place of health. There is a place of safety. Tell us where it is so we can tell the people where it is and how to get there through you. Let your kingdom come now into every circumstance. Come on, church, let me hear you pray. Let your will be done on earth, just like it is in heaven. Just like it is in heaven, Father. For my neighbors, God, for, for generations yet unborn, Father, we pray in the name of Jesus. And God, I pray that this prayer would be different than all the other prayers we've ever prayed. Because all the other prayers we prayed, we said amen and we went back to our life. Let us learn in this hour that we never have to say amen. We can pray continually. As we have been commanded, give thanks in all circumstances. Be joyful always. Pray continually. We know there's a place in you that doesn't ever have to say goodnight. There's a place in you that the phone never gets to hang up. The connection never has to get severed. Father, in Jesus' name, we've been asking you for 11 weeks now to teach us to pray. And I pray that with a superior position and with superior power, both in power and authority, I pray now, God, that our prayers would affect the land. Where my opinions have overshadowed your truth, I pray that they be quickly forgotten. But where your truth has been declared, may those seeds produce fruit 30, 60, or 100 times that which was sown now in Jesus' name. With the authority of Jesus, we arrest every evil thought in the name of the King. We declare liberty to the captive and sight to the blind. We declare the acceptable year of the Lord's favor. We, we declare mercy to this land, God. And I pray that you would continue, God, to teach us that we're good prayers. We know how to pray because you know how to hear regardless of our faults, our failures, and our weaknesses. So just like Hollis, we come to you and say, Dada, Wawa. <laughs> Wawa. Let water fall from heaven, God. Let the Spirit of God fall upon this land like rain on a parched land, I pray in Jesus' name. Put out the fires, let seeds germinate, let the desert blossom, we pray in Jesus' name. If you're here tonight and you're like, Jim, that's cool, but I, I still don't feel like I have any connection with God because of what I've done. God would have to forgive me before I'd have any sort of reasonable belief that he would answer my prayer. Then let's just make that your prayer. You're here tonight and you're not right with God. That's, that's, you haven't overwhelmed him. You think you're the worst sinner. You think you're the worst, the, the, your deeds are the worst that's ever been done. They're not. Jesus Christ died on a cross 2,000 years ago so that tonight 
you could receive the victory that he won for you by dying for you and, and being raised from the dead for you. He's here to forgive every sin. It's been paid for if you'll just receive this gift. Jim, I'm not right with God, but I want to be. If that's you, raise your hand tonight. Father, in the name of Jesus, for your uplifted hand and uplifted heart, I pray now, come into their life. Let tonight be the first night of the rest of their eternal life. Thank you for babies being born in your family. Thank you for what these babies will do as they mature, as you teach us to walk and talk and pray and bind and loose and destroy the works of the enemy in this generation. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. God bless.